1: I travel around the United States in my RV meeting real people who share the same love for racing. If you are into RV life, or a fan of racing cars, follow along. I'm here with Jerry Kaufman, and we are sitting inside of your rig here at VIR uh, for a WRL weekend, and um, you guys are in a nine-hour race today. You yeah. and your co-driver, Johan. Yeah, nine, nine today and seven tomorrow. Okay. Um, and then your last stint just ended. That's right? right, yeah. And you guys are up by two laps, I think, right now going into the last stint. So that's good. Yeah, we, <laughs> we, we feel really good. We I just got uh, tires uh, right before my last
2: stint. Um, it made a huge difference. And uh, we got lucky. It's right at about the halfway mark. So we'll have uh, good rubber to the end.
1: Have you had any issues with timing for yellows and trying to come in, or has it worked out for you?
2: Yeah, so today has been great, um, and actually, uh, you know, I don't know if your um, viewers are aware, but this track operates on what they call Code 35. I've, I've seen, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, and so for anybody who's not aware of what Code 35 is, uh, instead of having a full course yellow, where everybody's bunched up behind a pace car, and then they release you know the pace car green, and then uh, and then there's usually mayhem in turn yeah. one, uh, you know, and then there's usually another full course yellow from the mayhem from releasing <laughs> yeah. that one. So they decided to do this code 35 thing, where uh, the whole track goes uh, goes to a 35 mile hour speed limit, and they police it with uh, a couple radar guns and, uh, and uh, lap, lap times. Right? Yeah. I, if, if you're averaging more than 35, they they know you're going more than that. Yeah. Um, and what it does is it does a couple things one uh it is a safer release uh as so long as everyone is aware that the track is going green at the same time Uh, it it can catch you out if uh, you're not paying attention when cars go buzzing by you and you're still going 35 and now they're going 70 or 80. Uh, but uh, you don't have that bunching up into turn one Um, and the other thing you have is you don't have um if you just accumulated a 20 second lead or say a 30 second lead on your on your second closest rival um, you get to keep that lead and so that's that's a really nice thing to have as opposed to full course you know, a bunch now all that work you just did all that tire that you just spent uh, and, and fuel you spent um, it, it's all for naught, right that, that guy just gets uh, uh, really really in um, and so because you get to keep your lead um, you know it invites you to push a little harder um but also uh when you have a full course yellow um you have to make a decision do i want to come in um and uh and take on fuel now or do i want to wait and gamble that there's gonna be another yellow because regardless whenever you come in on full course yellow you're going to be at the back of the pack now granted a lot of other people are going to come in for fuel as well but you're certainly going to be uh, quite a few cars behind Um, and on the code 35 well the speed limit on pit lane is 35 so the only time you really lose is that slowing down stopping fueling and then getting back up to 35 Uh, so every time we have a code 35 today we've taken advantage of it not always um you know uh we're always filling up the car but you know it's not always uh you know a full fuel load sometimes yeah. it's 10 gallons instead of you know 20 gallons or uh, we don't have 20 but i think it's like 19.7 or something like that is what our car has
1: yeah.
2: um so we've uh when you say time the you know the the yellows
1: uh we've just taken advantage of everyone that's been been at us the code 35 so um one disadvantage of that maybe is if for some reason you're stuck behind somebody that decides they want to go 32 miles an hour yes what happens then (laughs) that can happen uh
2: but fortunately it hasn't happened today okay I, i i don't think anybody has um uh um you know not paid attention to that 35 if anything i've seen more people probably going 38 or 39 than 32. (laughs) um, which is fine uh the other thing that's interesting too is the series has taken on a lot of factory built gt4 cars and a lot of these cars have uh code 35 modes yeah in, in them i mean for them it's 60 because 60 kilometers or whatever but um, it's a it, it's the same thing right uh, they can program it to a 35 mile an hour and uh, they're really good about going 35 yeah. miles an hour yeah they got and, their and there are so many of them out there that typically you end up getting stuck behind one of them. Yeah. or, you know you have a good reference point how far behind one you
1: are. yeah they've got the biggest class
2: don't they they so, always have yeah um, now it didn't always start off with this many gt4 cars but it's always been the biggest class yeah um, and we've been uh, toying with the idea of going up to that, that class. Uh, I will say this, uh, uh, this GP1 class that we're in is has become extremely competitive and, uh, and really fast. Uh, we actually end up battling quite a few GTO cars uh, out there. Um, and it's not uncommon for us to, uh, to finish in the top 10 overall. Uh, I think you're 10th right now. Right, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, how things finish, but um, yeah, I could, I could see us, you know, being in you know eight or seven or seven. yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know that we've ever broken the top five, but I think our best ever was sixth overall.
1: Okay. Now, has it always been you and Johan? So uh, I've been with
2: the team uh, since the beginning, since Eric Baylog uh, started it. Uh, I would say it's probably been six years ago okay and uh and it's always been run with uh morehead speed works and uh when it started it was it was uh airy and his uh pro uh, greg lefou and uh and myself uh doing aer races and uh then we did uh 25 hours of thunder hill and then we started doing wrl races we found this to be a great home Uh, aer is it's a great you know group of guys uh it's an it's a great series uh but the problem that we had was this car was built for a target and you know depending on who showed up on an aer weekend we could be in the top class or we could be you know one or two classes below and we didn't necessarily have the hardware for the top class but it's a it's a com it's a package performance metric not a car performance metric and we decided we want to compete in the series with a
1: car performance metric so wrl uh really um was perfect for that Uh, other than that are there what are the differences and similarities between the two organizations
2: you know um there are a lot of similarities in the in that it's a um it's an endurance weekend right you have um you know practice qualifying on friday and then you have the, the race on saturday that's typically eight hours and another race on sunday typically eight hours and uh an aer is no different um the tracks are some of them are the same but many of them are, are, are a little different they're based primarily in the northeast mm. and WRL start off more midwest um and then you know obviously here we are vr is, is kind of east but it's southeast so not really any races in the northeast uh i think this year they're at njmp for the first time yep. uh which uh, i i know that those tracks very well or i used to i, I haven't been there in many years <laughs> since i moved to charlotte um but i think i still have at least one or two track records up uh, that, you know holding up at njmp uh, I don't think we're going to go there. I think um, simply because uh, of all the other races we have on our schedule, and we need some a little bit of downtime to uh, recoup the car for uh, the championship races. It's are fun. you are you in any other series other than this? Not anymore. Uh, this is a 12 or 14 weekend wow. uh, yeah. a year commitment. Yeah, so that's it's one a month for me. Uh, now, uh, Ari, he, um, he's not here this weekend because he's racing in the IMSA um series up in uh, uh Canadian Tire Motorsport Park uh this weekend, so he does a few series, uh, but um, yeah, I, I s- kind of slowed down the, the sprint racing and the other racing I was doing is because um, this is been you know it started off as these were like six weekends or seven weekends and so I had plenty of time to do other racing but now this is a a full-time deal for me so we started doing this you know years ago WRL I think we started doing that in 2021 I think it was or maybe yeah I think it was right after COVID so um that was fun um and then um, you know, everything was a little bit slower and so the, th- actually the three drivers end were, um, uh, Ari, myself and, uh, Chad Moorhead, Moorhead Speedworks and, uh, things started getting a little bit quicker, um, you know, last year. So it was like last, first race last year was NOLA and we were down there and, uh, um, we had a pretty small lead, uh, and, um, uh, Ari, uh, drove a big chunk of the race and I drove a big chunk of the race and we put Chad in at the end and uh, we barely we barely won it we won it but we barely won it and the next day it was even closer and I had already done by three hours and area done four hours and Chad was getting ready to do his to wrap it up at the end and we, we're just he just wasn't confident that he could bring home the gold so to speak so I, I uh, got in the car and took it to the end and uh you know it turned out um had no problem bringing home the gold because um we were about 20 minutes from the end and uh the car we were battling with and the same car we're battling with uh, this weekend the 44 yep. pc racing car um they end up uh, having contact with the miata caused the first full course yellow of the entire weekend 20 minutes from the end of the second race wow so over 15 hours of racing had elapsed and uh now we had our first full course yellow because they were doing hot poles and, and just local yellows yeah. and uh thank god that we had that full course yellow because i was driving around at 25 miles an hour and the axle snapped in the left rear of my car and the, the wheel passed me uh on the straightaway and i was like you know managing the wheel and and i was like man that's not good when you're the, the wheel and tire pass you from the back so uh, I, I you know couldn't drive it around a lap I pulled off and uh, um, actually I, I end up radioing in I said hey uh, um, can we win this uh, from the record like do we have to take the checker to win or because PC racing and, I, and us the, the 147 uh, we were eight laps yeah eight laps clear of the next car yeah. in our class so the two of us had just checked out well they're gone right they wrecked and are off and then uh we were a little bit ahead of them even when they when they broke so we were still in the lead and uh, yeah and it was like yeah you, we can if if you know it goes checker before then you know. <laughs> but then and sure enough we had an eight lap lead God. they turned seven laps unbelievable and so we actually yeah so here we are <laughs> with three wheels on the car on on the flatbed coming in and uh, uh, you know RJ uh, is, is yelling oh you can't take that back to their trailer you, that car goes to Park Ferme. we gotta you know take that car and it's like well I don't know that you can put it on the dyno or yeah. really like weigh it you know on three yeah. wheels but you know give it a good check over and uh, make sure we weren't cheating and so we um, we got our double and it was, it was a heck of a way to start the, the season and um, after that you know we'd realized that pretty much everybody had really stepped up their game and so that's when uh, uh, and Ari, uh you know approached Johan to uh, to do it I had worked with Johan for years prior to that and so um, you know when we were looking for somebody uh, to do some fill-in roles and and on had driven with us uh like for us stint here and there he was racing primarily with another team and then if we needed you know somebody to fill in um because chad's running the whole show here so it was really hard for him to do that and drive at yeah. the same time and so uh you know he had already filled the role He he's already come comfortable with the car you know. We like him. Uh, you know, he, he does a great job, and he's, he's fun to be around. So, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's, uh, it was a perfect fit. So, yeah, Eric uh, approached Johan, and that was it. Ever since then, it's been uh, us as the three amigos. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, but uh, only two of you are racing today, right? Is that All, for the whole weekend or just today? Whole
2: weekend. Yeah. 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 So actually, we have uh, two cars here this weekend. Yeah. Um, yep. And we have four drivers for the two cars okay <laughs> so yeah aries wife reena is here and uh i'll tell you what talk about love so they celebrated their like 33rd wedding anniversary yesterday wow and they're they're both racing but just in different countries <laughs> <God>. <laughs> my wife would kill me if i did if i tried. well to wait, what,
1: if she raced though would she kill you yeah uh, she'd want to be, you know, <laughs> in the other country, I guess in the IMSA car, I guess, you know, I, I don't know.
2: but, uh, yeah, I've been mean, talking about love, I, you know, and so, uh, anyway, so Rena is here, she's driving the 160 car, it's uh, a Sprecky 46, unfortunately, it is truly a Sprecky 46 and uh you don't get any extra points for that here yeah. and so there are a lot of cars in that class that started off as a spec 46 but they're not a spec 46 anymore yeah. and there's definitely a few things you can do to uh make those cars a little bit quicker honestly i think their their biggest performance deficit is the fact that uh their car can't they don't have a dry brake so they have to fuel off the normal jugs and so, I, I mean, like, I see Rena in there, like, you know, she can have, like, a, a water, a snack, you know, same thing with, the, you know, Dakota, um, you know, because it's just, they're stuck in the pits for so long, uh, refueling, <laughs> unfortunately. God. So, you know, God bless them doing as well as they are, uh, you know, having to get that challenge, because you can't make up, I mean, you just, it's so hard to make up that time
1: on track. I was watching, um so this is my first wrl race so it's the first endurance race i've even seen so i, I race in the scca i race b-spec so okay like a lot a oh. dif- lot of different cars yeah what you guys are driving I, I've, I've driven
2: a mini cooper b-spec Yep. Um, yeah those cars are interesting yeah I, i've never had a car where like you just never have to let off the gas <laughs> yeah i mean it's like um you can lift for this turn or you just hit the brake while you stay full throttle <laughs> either way it'll work and i'm like what I'm like <laughs> you know i'm like okay so yeah i drove one one time I actually won the race uh that i drove in awesome it was actually uh it was a bmw um uh car club okay. uh, race and uh there's there's another beast spec mini cooper out there and uh so uh my dad had this car and i was Racing in the IP class, and uh, I had won the, the feature race. And um, I didn't, the other race didn't matter for points. I was going for a, a championship, and so really only feature wins uh, at that level weren't, would get you enough points to where it really mattered. And um, so, uh, yeah, so I did a little car swap with uh, the, uh, the B spec, and uh, yeah, it was interesting. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's it definitely
1: will teach you not to to waste any mile an hour. That's right. Going into a corner. That's right. Yeah. I mean, everyone says if you, if you can figure out how to drive those things fast, you can probably drive anything fast. So.
2: Yeah. Now you uh you, are you you do the upshifts with the still full gas?
1: I found it. Yeah, I found that worked pretty well. Yeah, me. it does work pretty well. um I'm pretty new, so okay. I've only raced two years, and I'm actually. This is the third year, but I'm not racing this year to focus on the pod- podcast, Okay, but um, I'm traveling. So I've picked up everything, moved into my trailer, my RV, and I travel from track to track and interview teams and drivers and everybody. That's just what I do for my that's podcast. Awesome. So that's taking a lot of my time. Sure. So, um, but I get to see so cool stuff like this. I've been to a couple SRO races um went to an autocross event and several scca road events um so we'll see what else i get out to but um yeah um i'm I'm not racing but i've raced a Mazda too okay and uh the guy i race with is chris taylor he has a racing team he's based in austin which is where i'm yeah based out of sure right now i don't know where i'm based out of but um yeah, it was, it was a blast, man. Um, well, well, there's no excuses then. We'll have to see you at Coda in December. Uh, I actually plan to be there. Awesome. Yeah, I know that's a championship, right? It's a championship, and uh, the, the first race Saturday is my 40th birthday. Oh, nice. Yeah,
2: so I get to celebrate in Austin. Cool. So I should be good. Yeah, I celebrated my... 35th, uh, I was in the car at midnight on my, you know, going into my 35th birthday at the 25 Hours of Thunder Hill. So, nice. That's um, awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was a cool thing. And I've never uh, gone into the birthday, you know, midnight uh, being in a
1: race car before. That's, so, you know, it, it, you, can, you can wish for something like that. and It right? never happens. So, that's right. That's, so tell, tell me a little bit about, you know, what have you done up to this? Like, um. how did you get started and what kind of uh organizations did you race in and things like that
2: sure so how i got started is i uh back in 2008 i bought a bmw m3 um it was my first new car and uh my first bmw and my college roommate was a big bmw guy he was the one who really you know got me into it i'd driven a bmw before and i liked the handling i was not impressed with the power it was a 320 it was an e36 325 is and uh or a 325i and uh so it took a little bit of convincing but uh you know when they announced a 414 horsepower v8 in their m3 i was like man i love to have that so uh it took some finagling uh because i lived in the northeast and it was gonna be an only car and with snow i wasn't really too practical so uh figured out a way to you know have a a winter car um so i can have that m3 and so i drove on the street uh like a uh, young person out of college (laughs) who you know really shouldn't have a car like that and uh um you know kept myself out of trouble out of jail and um at that point in time I never had not hit a deer with it so uh uh but my college roommate who was in the BMW he said listen uh before you buy a BMW like a year in advance join the BMW car club and then you'll get a rebate and so uh I looked at it and the rebate for the M3 was like It was like 750 bucks or something like that. And a life membership at that time was like 750 bucks. So I'm like, okay, I'll buy the life membership now. And then when I get the M3, it'll pay for that membership. And then whatever, you know, I do after I went to business school, so you could tell I was economically, (laughs) uh, you know, thinking about this. Um, You know, it'll just be profit after that, right? And so uh, I I keep getting these uh, magazines called Roundel. And I at first I didn't really like look at it too much, and uh, but then eventually I started looking at it. And I saw towards the back I had driving events. And I didn't know about track days or like high performance you know, driving events, HPTEs. Yeah. And so I see this one at Watkins Glen. Well, Watkins Glen I was two hours from my house, and uh, I used to go up there all the time just just you know just to spectate. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna wish I could be on that track. So I'm like, man, I can actually drive on this track. So I bought a helmet. Uh, I took the car uh, you know, to the shop to have, do the you know, tech inspection, and uh, I went up there, and it was the greatest thing that, that I ever done in my life. Like, it was so much fun, I was so hooked, it was bad. Um, and so I did four HPDEs that year, and then uh, I ended up buying an older M3 um, and put a cage in it, and it was just a, just a track car, not a, not a race car and uh i was pretty well hooked i i loved the culture uh that was there um i loved the mindset i you know certainly didn't have enough money to wreck anything or uh they could afford to like break anything uh so i loved that they were really safety focused first and uh to be honest i i thought i was like well i started way too late wait uh late in life to uh to go racing um so you know it'd be nice to be one of these instructors and have the entrance fee you know waived every weekend and hang out with my friends and then i um i knew that there was a a, they do their instructor training in the spring and so by the time this is bmw BMW, cca CCA, yeah so by the time i um was ready to kind of be an instructor it was already i'd already missed the instructor training for that year so i knew i was gonna have to wait until uh the next year and uh and so i did um i did a race school they just started doing these club racing schools Mm -hmm. and uh that was the most fun i had ever had until you know since my first track day yeah right and i was like wow i i did not expect this to be that much more fun i was already having a you know a ton of you know an absolute blast right so I didn't understand how something could be that much more fun uh, than what I've been doing. And so, man, this is, this is a little bit of a slippery slope. So, um, that, uh, you know, so that, that track uh, car that I had, BMW, um, that went away and I ended up in an even older BMW race car, one that had already won a national championship in, uh, in a J Prepared class, back when that was a big class in, in BMW Club. And uh, then I um, uh, went, went to an open lapping day and they had uh, like kind of you know share a, a pro you know uh, with another driver. so it made it more cost effective than mm-hmm. uh, just uh, you know paying somebody for the whole day and the travel expenses. Um, so I did that and I met uh, Anthony Magagnoli, and hit uh, it off with Anthony you know, really quickly and and uh, he showed me just how fast that car could go. And I realized, <laughs> man, I am just scratching the surface and I would never get there Like if I stuck with HPDES, right? Like, um, this is a different level of, of driving. And, um, and so it just blew my mind. I was like, you know, I kept saying to myself like, if I, had to mo- if I could modify my car t- to where I could dr- go as fast as, as he's going, I don't know if 100 horsepower would do it right i had like 240 horsepower i don't know if an extra 100 horsepower would take me up to 340 i could still like beat his time at, at that point i was so so green you know to it and uh so i kept i worked with anthony for a few years and he really really upped my game so when i did go racing finally uh, a year later uh, i was able to win a national championship and rookie of the year wow and then uh the following year he and i did some endurance racing uh when bmw club had a, a very short-lived um endurance racing series and the, the car we had I had Motec um data and uh you know i learned a lot from anthony doing that and um then the year afterwards um i uh i i met uh uh British guy named Kyle Tilley who uh, um, came in he was doing formula three over in Europe came into the U.S. to do some racing here Um, met him doing the AER endurance racing and uh, I was at that point in time I was very confident in myself and and my abilities and and I was doing well Um, and uh, he was traveling kind of all over um, coaching people and we just like you know Became friends and um, a couple races. It just, he's like, Oh, um, I'm gonna be like, that's like a two hour detour from me coming back from this track to, to home. I'll, I'll stop. And, you know, and he um, obviously a lot more experienced than I was, um, you know, was able to help me out. And, uh, uh, you know, yeah. Anthony really showed me how to drive and showed me the limits and how to drive the limit and did an excellent job there. And what I didn't learn that, so I already knew how to drive when I met Kyle. So what I really learned from him was more of, okay, what do you feel that the car is doing underneath you? What do you, you know? Okay, uh, well I think it's understeer. Okay, is that under a Turn in? Is it mid corner? Is it exit? Um, well, I think it's at exit. Okay, well then that could, that's driving that could be driving related, or we could try some setup changes to do it. And so. Um, it's funny, I, I, you know, pretty much was on my way to winning this, na- another national championship, this time in the most contested class in the road Club, and halfway through the season, I never touched any of the adjustment knobs on my shocks, right? Like, it was just pure driving. And now it's like, okay, we can actually make this thing better. You know, it was, it was really good before, but now we can make it, you know really you know even better Mm -hmm. and so uh, that would would have been back in 2015 and then uh, uh, he and I ended up uh, racing uh, on the Bimmerworld team in 2016 in the Conti tire challenge Um, and that was uh, another huge learning experience Um, one the car was uh, I mean you know, kudos to James Clay and, and Berman World. You know, James threw, you know, everything at those cars to make them competitive, yep. and they just weren't, right? Like, it was just, uh, um, it was the really the first generation of non-M BMWs that were not designed to be the ultimate driving machine. You know, you, you can take an E36 or E46, certainly an E30, everyone knows that, um, and make a, a, you know, pretty good track car out of them pretty easily, not the case with, with those F80s. And so, um, and on top of it, the engines were a nightmare. And uh, so we really had no practice time, test time testing time. Um, a lot Often uh, qualifying was the first time we ever got to drive with full power. So you would be setting up the car and then uh, in practice, and then you go, assuming that the uh, car was reliable in practice didn't break and didn't miss practice, um you know you go into qualifying it's like okay now you can put on full power well now it's got understeer because it's got a little bit more torque in the back end and it's just squatting it a little bit more and i am when i was here for the conti race qualifying, i drove off uh turn 17 at least twice and that doesn't just ruin the lap you're on it ruins the lap that you're going into next yeah and so it was it was pretty challenging uh i I don't, I think I still qualified, uh, you know, um, around top 10, but um, it was a, uh, uh, it was pretty, it was a, it was a brutal race because uh, actually that one, uh, I don't know if it was half an hour in or 40 minutes in, um, we got torrential down, downpours and ended up with eight inches of water in pit <laughs> lane.
1: Gosh. And
2: we were out on slicks. <laughs> so it started off, that it would rain like just an oak tree, but nowhere else. Yeah. And then it rained just in the front straightaway. I remember hitting the brakes at the start finish and I slid all the way off in turn one so uh, yeah so that year was a a huge learning experience I did a couple uh, um, SRO World Challenge races Mm -hmm. and an Aston GT4 the the following year Um, and then I kind of had other things you know pulling my time away and um, had some commitments for some so a little bit of coaching and uh club racing and um and kind of coaching and club racing and and then yeah doing these endurance races and uh, business outside of racing so um that was pretty much the end of my uh my, my, my pro driving uh, i tested a whole bunch of cars and it's just nothing really uh ended up working out uh that year but uh um it's been uh it's been just as challenging to uh, you know, keep pace and, and be fast here. Um, I know we're, I was telling you a little bit off air earlier, but this, uh, this series is, is really competitive, it's really fast. Uh, the GP1 class is you know, probably not as competitive as GTO. There's so many fast cars in GTO and well-driven cars. Um, gp1 there's there's a handful of them but those handful are are really well driven mm-hmm. and uh, and really fast cars well one of the things that we found is as we kept making our car faster um you know it kept you know we never found the reliability we we're also hunting for yeah and so <laughs> we were the ricky bobby of the series we either finished first or we didn't finish <laughs> and unfortunately, that kind of works if you can finish enough races and we weren't finishing enough races yeah. and so we've started implementing you know kind of uh, driving you know restrictions you know cur- curb limits Yep. um and in order to try to preserve the car um and this place can be very challenging to uh to not use the curbs and still be quick yeah and so it's um again it's one of those things that uh it's still a challenge it still makes you you know think really hard okay how do i maximize this i'm so used to it it's, it's a lot easier to roll the extra speed and really use all of the track than it is to cut it a little tighter mm-hmm. um, because naturally you don't want like your mind it you know it just doesn't think that way yeah. it just wants to use everything that it can um, and not you know put up these imaginary walls where it's like okay we're gonna stay off these curbs so it's um it's uh it's it's a lot of fun it's it is challenging it does keep things a little bit tighter um but um i think you know last we checked we were we had a couple lap lead and i'm sure that's because somebody had something you know break and they had a, a a you know quick repair and you know we haven't had that so um uh, we'll see we'll, you know you never know how things work out we were just at daytona last month and uh i never even got in the car during practice <laughs> qualifying like um i put my suit on because i was a little optimistic that i might get in at the end but yeah. it just never happened yeah um the car was overheating um, and so um there was a little bit of a gremlin left over from uh, road america so they ended up swapping out the radiator oil cooler Uh, the thermostat and uh, water pump uh, and finally kind of figured out what was why the car was overheating and uh anyway um so we get into the race and it's like okay we think we figured out you know what the culprit was we think it was the radiator well no i mean we're out there on track and water temps 230 you know 235 which is unacceptable i mean especially a 14 hour race right and um, so, uh, Ari, um and I were in the trailer while Johan was out. Um, Ari started, then I drove, then Johan. And uh, Ari's like, "I think we, I think we just pull it. I think we just pull the car." He's like, "I don't think it's gonna make it, you know, 14 hours with these. You know, we I saw as high as 242. Yeah. Um, and that's because I was about 15 car lengths behind another car." And um, so you really couldn't draft off anybody. And uh, he's like, you know, we're not gonna finish, so why why even why wait till the motor blows? Yeah. So I went to Chad and Chad's like, well, let's try pulling this light bar off. You know, we're gonna lose a bunch of time to do it, but you know, if we're gonna quit anyways, might as well give it a shot. And uh, that was the other piece. So the reason why we didn't think it was a light bar initially was the car was overheating in the pits. Not even moving. So it's like, well, that's not the light bar. Um, but I think it was actually both. And um, so we ended up uh, that that cured it. And then, uh, yeah, we ended up winning that race. We ended up with, but in the end, I think we had a four. Lap.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail.
2: think again introducing the all-new better-than-ever ghost 16 now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight supreme softness that feels good every step every street every single day so go ahead take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused ghost 16 it'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins let's run there head to brooksrunning.com to learn more
1: wow so how, how's the whole season gone for you guys you know the season's going pretty well um we've had
2: uh a lot you know quite a few wins not always uh it's, if we haven't been ricky bobby you know it's not always a first or last yeah um we've had a, a a couple uh you know podiums uh that weren't you know not wins uh but we've also missed a couple races um barber was actually because of covid the team got covid Oh, so man. we had to abort on that one kind of really last wow, this minute. year
1: then huh this year yeah wow.
2: and uh yeah that was when that, it was one of those strands that was you know pretty new yep. going around and um yeah it, it, these guys got I, I think i had it in january or no i think i had it in february so a month prior um and then they ended up with it like you know three weeks later four weeks later um so it was one of those ones that was really going around and then uh so missed those two races and then road america the motor let go i want to say six hours into the first race so there was bad fuel uh, at the track and uh, a lot of teams had issues i was talking to the engine tuner he tunes a lot of the m4 gt4 cars Mm -hmm. and he told me that uh, they were having he was seeing positive ignition in um, on some of the motors so you know piston comes up it goes past top dead center and then on the on the diesel that's when it ignites mm. um, and so the problem with that is now you're gonna you're literally shooting fireballs out of the exhaust well you'll roast your you'll destroy the turbochargers doing that um, but that's the engines way of saving itself mm-hmm. right it's cheaper to replace the turbo than the motor um, so that's what the computer was you know doing well we don't have that we don't have that kind of calculations and stuff so um we don't have uh, you know um the same kind of safety mechanisms mm-hmm. that the factory cars have uh unfortunately so um yeah the, the motor ended up letting go and uh we ended up racing in the 160 the spec 46 the next day had an absolute blast i was pulling uh, about 10 seconds a lap on the third place car. We were in fourth place. Um, We had a couple of issues, mechanical issues, uh, that had uh, dropped us down, but we were hunting for that podium position. And, i could see this car in sight and i'm like i've got this guy and that was when i started running out of gas (laughs) (laughs) and it was like no we just have five minutes to go oh my gosh but there was no and i had to pull in the pits and and like they put like half a jug in or, or something like that and uh i couldn't even do the 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 cool down lap after the checker I had to pull in at turn five. Oh my! So I don't know, have you been there yet? Yeah, I was yeah. just there. Actually, okay, yeah. So turn five, um, you know, it's that left hander, but uh, you can actually, if your car's disabled, you can go straight. Straight, yeah. yeah and there's a yeah. bunch of little switch yeah. uh, back things there. So to anybody who is going to Road America, if you have any
1: issues, you know, pull off there. It was interesting. I Was there this last weekend for SCCA event, and or two weekends ago? and uh they actually were taking a lot of the cars out uh at turn five for some reason and i don't know why it was almost like that's how they were getting them off and it didn't make any sense yeah to me. well
2: i can tell you when i was racing in IMSA, um that's you, that you did that that's what they did okay. yeah you they don't you don't do a whole lap to cool down they okay. want you off the track immediately well i like that yeah i, I like it yeah but, but... Uh, um i've i've done that at coda so i raced at uh it's a masters i don't know if you've heard that series it's mm-hmm. a vintage racing series called master series and i was running a it was an old turner uh rolex gt car so the e92 is paul della and bill auberlin's car um i i want to say it was like 2009 to 2012 or something like that or 12 or 13 um and uh anyway it was the weekend that formula one was at coda okay uh and so we were the kind of the warm-up mm-hmm. act yeah you know for the track and uh uh literally and figuratively warm-up act because uh it was 28 degrees when i woke up God. and i can tell you those uh those slicks do not like 28 degree <laughs> yeah. weather yeah. and um nor do some of those cars you know the, the fluids all cold a lot of the cars uh uh dumped its diff um you know uh into uh turn 12 yeah and so actually that's where you get on track is is at the end of the back straightaway there so mm-hmm. right before turn 12 is where you would come on then you'd go into pit lane and they'd start you from pit lane okay um, interesting yeah and uh yeah it's a lot of really cool vintage cars uh there's like old um uh 962s and the um the Nissan, um, uh, God, uh, I can't think of the, uh, model number. It's like N- NP90 or something like that. The, the old, uh, uh, you know, early, or early 90s, mm-hmm. you know, um, cars. So, uh, with like 1300 horsepower, you know, and they weigh like <laughs> 2200 pounds. Um, I mean, they just, I, you know, this Turner car, it's, it's certainly no slouch. And, um, I was seeing like 170 on the back straightaway, and those cars, the Group C cars, would leave me for dead. I mean, absolutely leave me for dead. There was an LMP1 car in our in our group, uh, Pescarola, um, and so yeah, those cars are fast. And uh, but it was it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I never thought a car as fast as that thing would be, would feel slow. <laughs> um, but when you've got prototypes doing sub two minute laps, you know, Man. um,
1: minute 49s, uh, it's, uh, oh it's my. impressive. Yeah, that is really impressive. Holy cow. That, that is, you know, that's my home track, but, uh, I've not had very much luck there. So I was turn turn 12 is the end of the long straight, right? That's right. So. Last year, I was upside down on turn 12, Ooh. so. Uh, and the, someone hit me from behind. They did, they just didn't break before, for the corner as I started my turn. So I, uh, I have a video I'll show you later, but
2: um, there is a, uh, this is in the Conti race uh, back in 2016. So I'm breaking for turn 12. I've already turned in, and right before I get to the Apex, here comes this bmw sailing right past me right in front of my car like you know i'm not looking i've already yeah. i'm done looking in my mirrors right i'm looking forward now and uh i didn't see this guy uh just not have brakes oh, or gosh. Uh, what have you and he just sailed it off and went you know, straight into that barrier at the end of there but yeah, that was uh, close. Close call. to uh, yeah. having it was essentially the same kind of accident. It is the
1: same kind of one. I mean, I I think he just misjudged it. He had brakes, He just didn't use enough of them. So, um, but yeah, uh, I, I I've just, and, or I've had issues with transmissions or a hub going out or something like that. I just have have a hard time finishing uh, a good race there. So maybe maybe next year. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I wish you lots of luck. Uh, do they um, they enforce track limits there or no?
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah, they do. Um, that's that's one place that's more strict than any other I've ever been at. And if if you get all four wheels off, well you, you're, you that lap doesn't count. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, Ocon at uh, Austria it was the last weekend
2: or the weekend before. I think he got the most penalties in F one history <laughs> during a
1: race. Uh, no joke, and it was all. Uh, track limits well Um, you know if they don't enforce it then it just gets real crazy so yeah some series they don't enforce it
2: yeah Um, IMSA wasn't enforcing it yeah Um, which you know makes things a little interesting yeah Um, yeah I I I certainly see a need to enforce it in the S's um but there are a lot of areas where i i feel like you know you could have a little more leniency yeah
1: where i was having issues was the last the last corner at coda it just oh yes i was just like i I just i need a little bit more space (laughs) that's right (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's very similar to the last corner at laguna seca i've not been there so i'm looking forward to getting there probably next year it's a very
2: similar you know style it's that slow 90 degree lean yeah. onto a massive straightaway yeah. and you need you want to use yeah. everything you can yeah, at yeah. exit,
1: <laughs> especially in a slow car yeah um well do you have any favorite tracks yeah Watkins Glen. okay well i'm gonna go there i didn't mention this but actually uh, i'm going to some bmw cca events oh excellent and i know several people in that organization um a good friend of mine i worked with her 25 years ago, Krista Williams. She lives just out on the road.
2: Yeah. Yeah, she lives
1: in Charlotte. Yeah. So, yeah. me and Krista worked together. Oh, awesome. And it was it was right before I started racing, two years ago, maybe, you know, now it's like two and a half, three years ago, she said, hey, I'm coming to Austin for a race. And I'd never seen her race. I was like, well, yeah. I'll come out and watch you. I used to race against her in IP Okay. back in the day. And then she stepped it up to the C-mod <laughs>
2: yeah, E46 at the sequential.
1: Yep. So I went to watch her race at Coda. I was like, I need a race. <laughs> and so uh, the first thing I did was I had a Mustang at the time. And I just, I went to a, an H, uh, a driver's education thing, high speed, high performance. And I was like, okay, I'm ready. I'm, I'm gonna race now. So I met somebody in Austin that has, has a arrive and drive and um the next thing i did was go to a school for the scca a three-day weekend school in in a race car in a a b-spec got my license and then two months later my was was the first race so um it's been moving pretty fast since then but then i try to get to these bmw events so um the very first event i went to this year was here okay for the bmw cca event here it's a huge event it is it was it's really big and i met a event. ton of people uh well, I, don't, did, I can't remember did anybody all race
2: there, i race specie 46
1: i heard there are a couple of E 46 racers there. i probably but I, I say
2: they had like 50 cars
1: yeah that sounds about right yeah, yeah. so um I, I won't remember everyone's name i know will sure. harris was somebody that i met and he's barely new i think to the to the group and the sport but uh He has this massive rv that 12 people can sleep in it's it's like there's a bunch of coffins in it it's so weird but i was like i need a place to stay because i was just in my car uh super super nice everyone was so nice and um they had a driver's they had a driver's school to a competition school there that that weekend yeah so I
2: use I've instructed those.
1: Okay, and uh, it's,
2: they're fantastic. So that's a, like I said, I went through through that school to get my license, and then um, then I started instructing at at a few of them. Um, you know when it, when I can, you know, because it's a, it is a it's a great program, and part of what makes it great is oftentimes uh, like that uh, event uh they have the school before the race weekend mm-hmm. so if you pass the school you can go racing that weekend yeah and so they bmw club has done a great job of uh opening that up not just for you know bmw drivers you know like that event but they've also done they have done in the past i don't know if they're still there now but um events with uh endurance racing series uh, like AER uh, and so I was instructing on AER uh, or I'm sorry. I was going to be racing at AER weekend So I instructed the club racing beforehand And I want to say four or five of those students um, Got their license on uh, On Friday and and raced that weekend. So I saw them on track uh,
1: yeah. I met one of them that weekend that did that did that very same thing yeah. and interviewed him and um, I met uh, Phil and Carrie Wurz Yes um, you know, they had the bus and yes. uh, they were here, so I get to meet them. I've seen them here for SRO. I just saw a video last night online of Phil winning up at, um, summit point, I think. Yeah. So I try to stay in touch with the, the BM, the BMW world. And I do plan to go to Watkins Glen, I think for a BMW event. And then, um, maybe a, two or three more by the end of the okay. year, I'm in touch with, uh, the marketing um, gentleman who does all the social media stuff and everything for them, um, Sean McKay, and uh, Mackenzie. Mackenzie, that's right. I know Sean really, really well. Yeah, another, so another great person. All these names you're talking. About, yeah, yeah. So people. I, I, I communicate Phil, Phil with him. Phil was my
2: guy at out of any parts. Phil was my guy, and of course. then he got promoted, so he's no longer my guy because <laughs> he's running the whole show yeah, over there. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, all, all good people.
1: And I met, um, I, I crossed paths with, um, and I, I don't remember his name, but it's the Bimmer World President or CEO. Oh, uh, James Clay. James Clay. I yeah. met him because he was out racing in the one lap of America this sure. year. And so I followed them for a, a couple of locations. James is another great guy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And there's several others that were instructors that you've probably instructed sure. with. Um, David Harris? Does that sound right? Yeah, Mike Morris, maybe. I can't mm, remember Mike's I last name. One. But they were both instructors. Um, They're super nice. But, awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I do plan to come on some more WRL. I'll be at the Coda event.
2: Well, yeah. So you, you should, and you should uh, get a seat in one of these cars while you're here.
1: I. I. I Got to work that out. I think it, it's I think all there, about money.
2: I, I think there's a GP3 car with a seat for you. I'm sure there is. <laughs> uh,
1: I'd like to do it. Uh, you'll, be, you'll be right at home in one of those cars. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I. You know, this is a great series. Um, you know, like I said, it's. Uh, it's really turned into a like a semi-pro. I, I mean, this is the best example of like a semi-pro series. Yep. You know that we have. You know, if you can, if you you know want to say the SRO and IMSA are pro. And, um, you know, SCCA and, you know, BMW Club are, are AM. This is a, uh, this is a pro AM, yeah. you know, a sport. So there are a lot of great drivers, you know, the, 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 tip of the spear in club racing, um, any one of those guys can go pro racing. I mean, but it, you know, when, when you go pro racing, it's really, you know, okay. Maybe the, the bottom 5% aren't, aren't that good and probably shouldn't be there. Um, but the majority of the drivers are really switched on and they will push you and it's just, it's just really intense. And this has a pretty good mixture of that club racing and, and pro racing feel.
1: Well, it, it seems like it too, with the people that I've met and that I know are racing in the, the series and everything like that. So. Um, yeah, what I'm actually looking for, so if you know of another team who are interested, so I, I try to do a promotional video for teams because sometimes sure. they're trying to attract drivers. So that could be a swap, possibly, for uh, a seat on one race weekend. So uh, that's something I'm I'm doing um, if if somebody's up for it. Yeah.
2: Hey, there are plenty of teams out here,
1: and you Yeah. you right now. Yeah, so I, I, I just spend my time roaming around, meeting yeah. people. Um, That's great. And then asking for referrals. So, um, you know, I'll reach back out to you again. I'll see you, I'm sure, at another event. But if you think of somebody else that um, I should interview, I'd I'd love to speak with them. Sure, that good. Awesome, man. Thank you so you much. You got it. I appreciate Absolutely. it. I want to thank you for listening to Driven to Compete. It's been a pleasure sharing this episode, and I hope we've provided some inspiration and entertainment along the way. If you like the content, please share and like, but I have one ask for everyone listening. I would appreciate more than anything to add you to my weekly newsletter. Simply visit my website, driventocompete.com, and you'll see a form to get on my newsletter where I share exclusive content and giveaway swag.